Here we are. Yeah, all right. Um, so somebody's pumped. Uh, so, well, I, it, it starts about like you would expect for this particular piece because you're looking at the third string. I'm not the B team. I'm the C team, Jack. Like, pastor goes on vacation. No problem. Keith has got this thing in the bag, and I'm just sure that he did, and his notes were way more impressive than mine. But he is playing it awful cautious because he was around someone who had tested positive for the virus on Monday. Uh, keep praying for him. He has shown no symptoms so far, but uh, out of respect for every one of us who don't want to get this thing, he is self-quarantining. So the replacements have been replaced. Anyway, um, so uh, you're looking at the third string, which is subtitled to my autobiography. But um, we're going we're gonna to get right into it. So uh, on the, the COVID front, because he is self-quarantining, announcement number one, we'll get to the other one at the end, is there won't be any youth this week because we're just going to not spread the virus if indeed um, he has it. So Matthew said, you know, I could go rogue since it was kind of short notice. Uh, but I'm, I, I like having some constraints on my mind, so I'm like, no, I'm just going to stick with Colossians, and we'll follow, uh, follow right along. So we're, we are picking up the very beginning of, uh, of Colossians chapter 3, and, uh, and yeah, useless. Um, so we'll pick up the beginning of Colossians 3, and just kind of jump right into it. So if then, all right, let's pause. Made it two words in, that's good. Um, <laughs> So if then, normally, you know, the, the Bible wasn't written in chapters and verse. It was, this was a letter written by Paul, so it's all kind of one thing. So it, some of y'all may absolutely already remember what was going on when we last left the letter. And so you're, but I wasn't that good. Uh, so let, let's just pause and, and all right, let's go back into chapter two real quick and to, to see just a little bit about what it's talking about. I'm just going to do uh, uh, verse 20 through 23. Every time with the dim lights, I bring this Bible with minute script. Anyway, uh, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as you are still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. All right, so that's basically what that's talking about is this. Why are you so worried about this version of holiness that's don't eat that, don't drink that, don't touch that. If, if you go back and you read like the Levitical law that, that, that some of the early church is really obsessed with keeping, you get a sense of how detailed some of this stuff is, right? So like if you accidentally touch uh, you know, a, a, a dead body, all right, well, you know how Keith is self-quarantining, congratulations, you get to do that like in a different place away from your family. These things are really, really strict. And because they're really strict, it feels religious, right? So it feels like you're doing something, right? I have to sacrifice. So if I'm, if I'm fasting and I don't eat anything for 40 days, I feel hungry. 
slash religious, right? Like I feel like I'm, and then, and then I walk past and I don't mean to do it and I would never say it out loud, but I see someone eating, but like, hmm, <laughs> you have little faith, uh, right? Like this idea, like it feels holy, but, but it doesn't actually do anything to like, to defeat the flesh, right? So he's talking about denying the flesh. So much of that doesn't, doesn't work out to defeat that. We know this kind of intuitively. If, if any of you have ever gone on a crash diet and lost a bunch of weight by doing something extreme, you'll note that when that diet stopped, you hadn't stopped wanting food, right? Like you didn't, in fact, you probably gained most of the weight back because you didn't actually defeat anything that was causing you to pick the weight up. You just kind of right, lost it real quick. And then the second you stopped doing that extreme thing, Nothing about you has really changed, right? And so it's the same thing with some of this religious stuff. Like, you can be really strict about some of the stuff that you do and not really change anything about what you want to do, right, or what you want to focus on. And so some of that is like, look, this is false. Like, that's... And the early church had a lot of this going on. Like, there are stories of monks that lived in caves by each other that competed for who could be the monkiest of the monks and, like, ate rocks and said that God could turn the rocks into bread and so it was food and turned out they got some digestional problems like that stuff isn't true religion that's it no but a lot of people didn't have teeth um but like that's not true religion that's just kind of silliness and it looks really good like it looks faithful but what Paul's saying is that's really not uh, that's really not what we're about. So that's the that's the if that's the if then. All right. So let's just jump into the very first few verses of chapter three. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you will also appear with him in glory. All right. Set your mind on things above, right? What does that mean? So, so I started thinking about that stuff, and I've, I've had a, a little bit of, of time to do that since third string was called up to start the game. Um, and, and not that I was waiting on that to read, but I hadn't really, you know, I was letting Matthew or Keith take care of Colossians 3 for me, and I hadn't thought about it as much in a while. What does it mean to set your, your mind on things above? All right, so like the, the vacation Bible school idea, just think of, like, think of heaven, right? Like, you know, you're just thinking about God and heaven and angels and all this stuff. Like, it's not the stuff that's on earth. I'm not sure that that's what that's talking about here. And the reason I, I say that is if you look at the ministry of Jesus, that really wasn't what he was going around telling people to do. He wasn't going around saying, look, just think of, think of the next life. Think of heaven. He was doing things in the here and now uh, with people. So sorry, all right, so if it's not that, what does it mean? And I think that, at, at least for me this week, and I can change my mind later, but here's what it is. Um, I think it's kind of a, um, there are two parts. There's perspective and there's focus about what that means. And so perspective and focus. So focus is what you are thinking about, what you are directing your thoughts and efforts towards. And perspective is the place that you are seeing it from. So I want to talk a little bit about those two things, just perspective and focus. What does it mean to set our eyes uh, on things above? So perspective is kind of, do we understand the power of God 
and do we understand the scope of his story, right? So when you, you look at things that are happening around us, do we understand what is going on? Do we understand what God is doing? Do we understand what God is able to do? And do we understand our place in it? Because so often I think we tend to make the plan very small, right? We have this idea of what victory looks like in our moment, and that's what you have to go for. And then somehow, because we are all at least partly narcissist, we think that that victory somehow depends on us, right? Like if I'm not doing it, if I'm not part of it, it's going to fall apart, right? You've thought these things. Um, and, and so we, we get, like, by doing that, what we actually do is we make God's plan very, very small. And we make the scope of victory very small. And we can also get fooled into some fairly ridiculous things, right? All right, so here's, if you pay attention to headlines, have you ever seen the failings of a Christian leader just kind of swept away because you can't really admit it honestly because we can't, let that harm that ministry or maybe we have to to look aside the failings of this person because we can't lose an election because the consequences would be too dire right do we really believe that the kingdom of god depends on that ministry god can't raise up another one all right does the does the plan of god fall apart because a presidential election is lost in one country that is temporary really but we do this all the time and every time that we do that the people that are watching are like that doesn't really seem to line up very well with what you say you believe but if your perspective of victory is so short like we can't lose this here now in front of me then what you do is you have to make compromises and you make the whole plan um, a little bit smaller and it's also what what you also do if you don't have perspective is you overestimate what's happening to you right um, so how many times have you heard the word uh, persecution used incorrectly, right? Like, um, I've, I've heard it used, we, we talk, all right, so look, I'm so happy that we're here this morning that we have the ability to, but if the numbers on this virus start getting worse and a shelter-in-place order comes down and we don't have the ability to meet because a government agency said, hey, we need to chill out, that's not persecution. Right, that's not it. And if you think it is, there are some Christians in like I don't know China or Tehran that would love to have a word with you, right? Like that's that's not what it is. And what they also understand is that that doesn't amount to something that's going to stop God's plan. Like God's plan is bigger than that. It has existed from the beginning or before the beginning of time. Time itself isn't big enough to contain God's plan. We're going to be okay. Right, but if we lose perspective, uh, then it all depends on us. In the here and the now, we all of a sudden start to make a ton of mistakes. Then there's the focus thing. I'm going to try to be fairly brief with this. Focus is a big deal for me. Y'all might not know it, but I've have I've got some ADD. If you talk to students that have had me in the classroom, we go ahead and assume I'm going to lose focus. We classify it by the size of animals. If it's chasing a deer it's worth our time. If it's chasing a rabbit, getting a little fuzzy. Chasing a squirrel, Mr. Price, we probably need to rein it in. I'll chase ants, right? Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I, it doesn't, ooh, shiny, and I'm off over in this direction. I know that about myself. I have processes. 
Hurtado over here is laughing because he knows it. Uh, so I've got processes, and, and I know that I've got to limit myself because if I let my mind wander, it will. All right, so what do we, what do we focus on? What I mean is what do you laser in on as, as a Christian? What do we laser in on if it means setting our mind um, on things above? So if you look through what Jesus focused on, right, it was never the thing that you would have thought. If, if you were trying to start a religious movement, and you had massive crowds following you around, then whatever you had done to get the massive crowd there, do more of that, right? That's the focus. That's the thing. We're going to build this as a movement, all of this. Jesus would do, like, the opposite of that, right? He, he would, like, they'd get this massive crowd there, and the disciples would be like, great, let's uh, do that thing with the fish and the bread and the healing and all that. That was awesome. That's getting them to come in here. And Jesus was like, hey, hey, give me the mic. You've got to drink my blood and eat my flesh. Jesus, what are you doing? I like that's not that's not doing it. People in the back are like, ooh, ooh gotta go. Right? Like that, that's that's really strange. And they would say, Jesus, what, right, explain what you meant by that. No, 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 that's pretty that's pretty much what I meant. Right? He would do things like that, and then he would get away from the crowds. But the only thing that he would always reliably do was that when he saw somebody that would have questioned their own value. He focused in on that person, right? So like the, the leper got Jesus' attention more than the crowds did, right? We talk about like Jesus talked in two different stories um, about dividing people into those that would go to heaven and those that would go to hell. And it may surprise you that the dividing line in both of those stories was how people treated the poor, right? Like So when you saw people that were hurt, that were devalued. Jesus always took the time to focus on them. And he's in the middle of trying to be Jesus. And he took the time to do it. He never lost sight of like that was what mattered to him. And there were moments in his ministry where like the disciples are a little bit like me. They didn't get it. Like you look at the Mount of Transfiguration and you got like Elijah and, and Moses and they're all right there and the disciples, especially the ones that were good Jews, looked at this and said, this is what I'm talking about. We're going to stay right here and the prophets are going to be here and you're going to be here and everyone's going to know how powerful you are and this is, this is what we're going for. Jesus, I'm so glad that I'm here with you. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm just showing you this for a second. We're going back down the mountain. This isn't where we stay. Right? This isn't what I'm here to do. Don't let this distract you. But there, there's something also about that, that focus that, that we tend to focus so much on what it means to us like in the moment. What I mean by that is like death being final, right? Like that made sense to people forever. The disciples, when Jesus was, was killed, thought that, that was, they'd focused on him being there and he's gone, right? And they're like, well... I guess I bet on the wrong horse. Which, you know, to their credit, when someone is dead, normally they'd stayed that way. And they bet on this person being the Savior, and now he's dead, and there, there's two of them just walking down that road, and there's a beautiful story, the, the road to Emmaus, where Jesus kind of comes alongside of them and slowly delves out the truth that, hey, guys, you know how I said I was coming back? Uh, here I am. Right, like there's this this moment where like even that focus we have, and that's a perspective thing, even that focus we have on like the here and now, Jesus wants you to understand it's the, the story's so much bigger than that, 
right? So, look, our focus, our perspective, are we focusing in on people enough, right? And, and there's, so I've started asking myself that question and kind of going back through my last couple of weeks about am I doing that? Answer's no. Um, so I started asking questions. In moments where it's easiest to lose focus on the fact that the person you are interacting with is a son or daughter of God that Jesus died for. Am I remembering that? Here are the ones that I came up with where maybe I'm not doing very well. Um, anybody spend some time on the phone recently with a company because you had an issue and you needed to deal with customer service? You know the person on the other end of the phone is a son or a daughter of God that he died for? Did you treat him that way? Uh, in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to do a selfish plug. As schools uh, send out their plans for how we're going to go back to school, parents, uh, you're not going to be happy with some of them. Uh, they're not going to be happy with some of them either. And you call and you want more information. You're dealing with people that work at the school, probably a secretary that doesn't make nearly enough money to be dealing with our anger. Are you treating them like a son or a daughter of God that Jesus Christ died for? Here's one for me this afternoon. You're driving down 29. The person in front of you is doing 30. They know not how to use their blinker nor the turning lane. Are you treating them like a son or a daughter of God that Jesus Christ died for? Are you going to? But, but then there's other ones too. Um, you ever get into an argument with someone on social media and you're right and they're wrong? You know it because if you were wrong, you would be, you know, you'd do something different so you'd never doubt your own assumptions. And you'd dunk on them because they're stupid. Right now, Luke is watching this and he's saying, Daddy, don't say stupid. That's a bad word. Sorry. Um, yeah, did you treat that person like they matter more than the argument did? Right? There's so many moments like that where it's so easy to lose focus on that. But Jesus, Jesus never did. What am I trying to do? Like on my most important, on like the day where what I'm doing is truly important, stack that up to what Jesus was trying to do the time that he was here. Right? I'm trying to lead a family or run a good school. He's trying to to save all of humanity from death. Right? So when he was in the middle of that mission, and it was really easy for that person to like touch the hem of his garment or whatnot to have just been ignored, right? He never did it. He always stopped because that person was more important than whatever else was going on right then. How hard is it to keep that focus? So... And part of like the look, perspective and focus go together. Part of the reason that I that I find it difficult to focus on people is because I lose perspective and I make the mistake of assuming I am more important than they are because I'm me and they should know that, right? Uh oh, is right, right? But all of this like if I keep my mind on things above, what does it mean to understand my place in God's story, where I am, when I am, what is going on? What does it mean for me to focus on people the way that Jesus focused on people? And I'll end with a story that demonstrates all of this together, right? And it's a story you know. Jesus goes to the garden to pray. 
He prays, God, essentially, please don't make me do this. I've been thinking about this cross and death thing and doesn't look like it's going to be any fun. Please don't make me do it. Does that, so prays that three times. God says, look, this is the cup that you're going to have to drink. Jesus gets up. The disciples sleep through all of it, even though Jesus tries to get them not to. Um, pretty classic disciple stuff. And they're leaving, and the people with Judas come to arrest Jesus. And a guard or one of the people that's there to arrest him, a guy named Malchus, comes forward. And Peter, being a bit of a firebrand, pulls out a dagger and cuts off his ear. And Jesus is like, whoa, 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 chill out. Puts the ear back on because it's just what Jesus does. Uh, and, and he essentially tells, he tells Peter, should I not drink the cup that God has for me? Right? In this moment where like they're get, he's getting arrested. And Peter does exactly what we would do. Right? I have to protect. We have to win this moment. We can't allow Jesus to be arrested because that looks like defeat. So in order to protect what I think victory is, I have to lash out against this person. Jesus says, Peter, put that away. He matters essentially more than what you think victory. Like This thing that you think is defeat is part of God's plan. This person that you thought you had to dunk on slash cut the ear off of he matters more than your idea of victory does. It's a terrifying thing because in that moment, I am 100% on board with Peter. Right? Like that's my reaction. That's my natural thought. And that is not what it means to set your mind on things above. Setting your mind on things above is praying, knowing what's actually going on, knowing what the plan of God is, what that cup he would have us to drink is. Not overestimating how important it is that you win the way you think you should. All of this stuff is really tough. And you see why it's so much easier to go back into chapter 2 and to say, no, 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 don't drink this, don't eat that, don't touch that. That's easier than this is. Because if I do it that way, I can say, you know, I can say terrible things and treat the person on the other end of the phone like they don't matter. As long as I don't have anything, any alcohol, right? Don't drink. Treat him however you want to. Right? All of these things, like it's really, it's much tougher to do it the way Jesus teaches than it is to do it the way I thought was the way I was supposed to do it. So, there's your third string Sunday morning notes and ramblings. Um, I'm going to pray with you real quick. Um, yeah. Uh, um, I'm going to pray with you real quick. Uh, there's one more announcement. Um, and then we'll, we'll let you go. God, I want to thank you that you gave us such a clear picture of what it means to walk with you. That as you, as you established the customs and the norms and the thoughts of what it means to be like Jesus, you gave us a picture that we really have to try to ignore. As we move forward in uncertain times as your congregation in, in West Point and the Valley, I pray that you give us a, a wisdom to know perspective, that we would understand what victory looks like for your people here, what defeat looks like for your people here. We would understand where our part is in your story. 
and we would trust you in your infinite power to work those things out that we would just be faithful to that plan as we work on focus I pray today that you would give us the discipline not to treat other people like they're less important than you think they are that, that you would give us the ability as, as your church to love that clearly, that completely, that consistently. Help us to burn away the parts of us that would do less than that. Give us um, the smarts to understand what true holiness is. And we pray these things uh, in your name. Before they close us out, just a quick secondary announcement. Uh, Thursday through Saturday of this week, uh, we will be working at the new building. Those of you who are eagle-eyed on the Facebook will note that this one has gone up for sale, which gives us some deadlines, hopefully. Uh, fingers crossed, be praying about that. But Thursday through Saturday, we'll be continuing the work over at, uh, over at the new campus. If you are, uh, even if you're like me, just weak of mind but strong of back, then show up. Uh, and help out in the work of transforming that into our new home. Love y'all.